0: Open up your Bibles with me to Colossians, Colossians chapter 2, as we continue to work our way through the prison epistles and looking at them a chapter at a time and kind of doing a shotgun study at the big picture. We find ourselves in Colossians chapter 2 today. Let's read through that chapter, follow me as I read through the whole thing, and again I remind you. Think about the fact that Paul wrote these words and somebody eventually read these words to a group of people for the very first time. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf and for those who are at Laodicea and for those who have not personally seen my face, that their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love and attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is Christ himself in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this so no one will delude you with persuasive argument. For even though I am absent in body, nevertheless I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good discipline and stability of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, and in him you have been made complete, and he is the head over all rule and authority. And in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your transgressions and uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all of our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross." When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. Things which were a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one keep defrauding you of your prize by delighting in self-abasement and the worship of the angels, taking his stand On visions he is seen, inflated without cause by his fleshly mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the entire body, being supplied and held together by the joints and the ligaments, grows with a growth which is from God. If you have died with Christ, to the elementary principles of the world, why, as if you were living in the world, do you submit yourselves to decrees such as, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, which all refer to things destined to perish with use in accordance with the commandments and teachings of men. These are matters which have, to be sure, the appearance of wisdom in self-made religion and self-abasement and severe treatment of the body, but are of no value against fleshly indulgence. The first couple of verses here, Paul talks about that great wisdom in Christ. Wisdom in Christ. He says in the first couple of verses here, he talks to them in some general ways and some some overall ways. Greeting to you. I know you have this struggle, uh, those of you who are laying to see it. He, he says, I want their hearts to be knit together in love, attaining to the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding. He says, if you are going to grow, if you are going to be mature, one of the things that you need to do is you need to attain all the wealth that comes from a full assurance of understanding. The more you understand who God is, the more you learn, the more you will have a true knowledge of God. That's why we've been given the Bible, isn't it? So that we would learn, so that we would know. It's why we have Bible studies. It's why we have Sunday school. It's why we have preaching times. It's why we have teaching times. So that we would understand Him, so that we would know Him, so that we would come to grips with who He is. You need to be continually growing in your knowledge and understanding of God. This isn't a stagnant thing. You can't just coast and say, I've done it long enough. I've read the Bible enough. I've memorized enough verses. I've gone to enough studies or church services to last me for the rest of my life. You can never get to that point. He says you need to continue to do that so that you will be who you need to be. But I want you to notice some amazing things here. At the end of verse 2. He says, this full assurance of understanding resulted in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is, Christ himself. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You want to you have knowledge? You want to have wisdom? You want to have understanding? Know Christ. Study Christ. Spend time with Christ you gain great wisdom, great knowledge, great understanding. We need to be in the Word. We need to embrace the truth. We need to be letting Him come and be a part of us on a regular basis. Are you talking to Him? Are you meditating upon Him? Are you walking with Him? Are you loving Him? In doing that, what happens is you gain a ton of wisdom, a ton of knowledge, a ton of understanding not to pass that math test but to pass that life test how i deal with life how i deal with circumstances how i deal with the ins and the outs the good and the bads the ups and the downs the joys and the disappointments it's in spending time with christ it is in understanding god's mystery that is christ himself Is the one that's going to get you over the hump. And the reason he says that is because he was talking to a group of folks that we would say were Old Testament folks, all right? Understand that mentality. And the Old Testament folks, although they did their best to know God, they also were very much hung up on a long list of do's and don'ts, it seems like. And they had missed out and they had forgotten about knowing him, And Paul says, I want you to realize that the thing that's more important than anything is knowing Him. And we'll come back to that at the end of this chapter. Know Him. Embrace Him. And you will see that a lot of things come to pass that are really good. The wisdom is in Christ. Well, verses, next couple of verses here. He says, I I don't want anybody to Delude you with persuasive argument, he says. For even though I'm absent in body, nevertheless I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good discipline and stability in the faith. He says, I want you to be who you need to be, and I don't want anybody tricking you. I don't want anybody fooling you. I don't want anybody doing anything to you. He's going to talk about that in a moment. But before he gets there, he says this in 6 and 7. As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. And in verse 7, he kind of explains that. He says, having been rooted firmly and now built up in him and established in your faith as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. Okay, let's walk through that. He says in verse 6, as you received the Lord Jesus, walk in him. And then he tells us, how we received the Lord Jesus? He breaks it down. This is not a hard thing to break down at all. He says, when you first believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, when you first became a Christian, you were rooted you were in Him. You believed that you were saved by Him, and that was your focus. You were rooted in Him. You were built up in Him. It was all about Him when you were first a uh, uh, believer. It was all about Him. What does God want me to know? How does God want me to act? How does God want me to think? What does God have to say to me? You were established in your faith. You had this brand new thing going on, and you needed to know, what do I do so that I can live the way I'm supposed to live? I remember... When I was saved, and I was a youngster, and so church was, what I remember of church before I was saved was, serious? And then after I was saved, it was cool. I can hardly wait to get back. And I hope that's where you guys are today. (laughs) I hope you're liking it. Because all of a sudden it mattered, and I had this relationship. And I thought, man, this is cool stuff. And he says, you were instructed. And you listened and you followed, and then your natural response was you had this remarkable, overflowing gratitude. Then he says this, though. He says this in verse 6. As you received him, walk in him. I want to I challenge you this morning. Do what you did. As it was when you were first saved as it was when you first understood the wonder and the glory and the magnificence of God and Jesus Christ, whenever that was in your life, as you first came to him in the most simplistic of faith possible, loving God, continue to love God. And I want to summarize all that with that one thing. You love Jesus? Be rooted in him. Be built up in him. Be established in him. Follow his instructions and shout out glory, glory, glory because of him. As it was then, make it that today. We complicate it. We overthink it. We get used to it. We forget that it's a really good thing to love Jesus like I did when I was first saved. We get hung up with so many different things in this whole world. Love Jesus like you did then. Be rooted in Him. Be built up in Him. Be established in Him. Follow the instructions that He gives you. And rejoice with great gratitude in Him. That's what Paul is saying we ought to be doing. And we ought to be doing that because we find out that 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 God's mystery, Christ himself, is ours. What a cool thing. We drift, don't we? We drift from what is important. We drift. Go back. Go back to how it was in the very beginning. He says in verse 8 then, Paul is not ignorant to what's going on in life. He wasn't ignorant then and God's not ignorant now. He says, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. So he says, like you received Christ Jesus, walk in him. And I reduce that to a simplistic, you love Jesus, walk with Jesus, follow Jesus, obey Jesus, rejoice in Jesus, thank Jesus. And as you're doing that, watch out. Beware. Be on guard. Be on the alert. Why? Because there is a spiritual battle out there. As we've been memorizing with our verse from Ephesians chapter 6, there's a spiritual battle out there, and, and, and there is a philosophy out there, and there is a system out there, and Satan wants to take you captive with that philosophy and that system. Watch out. Isn't it something that the Bible over and over again talks about the, the simplicity of children and childlike faith? It's a good thing. Now we all obviously need to use our intellect and use our, our knowledge and whatnot and live like, like we ought to live life. But the fact of the matter is, watch out. There are philosophies out there. There's deception out there. There's tradition out there. There's elementary principles of the world out there. Those things are trying to get you away from the simplicity of, I love Christ, I love Jesus, and I want to listen to Jesus and follow Jesus and be with Jesus and obey Jesus and rejoice in Jesus. And they're trying to get you away from that. And some of that is the philosophy of the busyness of life. Satan wants us to run 122,000 miles an hour so that we never stop, we never rest We never consider, we never reflect, we never meditate, we never read the word, we never are content in Jesus. Watch out! And the words that are are used here are fascinating. Beware that nobody takes you captive. Nobody takes away your freedom. Your freedom in Christ. There's a philosophy, there's a hollow and empty deception out there one of the Bible versions phrase that, empty deception, is high-sounding nonsense. Isn't that a cool phrase? High-sounding nonsense. I get sucked into high-sounding nonsense all the time. All the time. It's bad. It's bad. Some of us, some of us, and I will put myself in this category right now, the philosophy and the empty deception according to the tradition of men and according to the elementary principles of the world that we're allowing to suck us in right now is simply news. I need to read the news. I need to know what's going on. And how, how's that working out for you? I know in my home, it's not so good sometimes. <laughs> I want to share the news then. I don't report it as well as they report it sometimes. It's a bad thing. It gets the best of you. Watch out. High-sounding nonsense. Nonsense. And that high-sounding nonsense, that philosophy, that empty deception, it comes through the tradition of men, the basic principles of the world. It comes through anything other than Christ. We are Christians. We ought to act like Christians. We say we love Jesus. We ought to act like we love Jesus. And I want to point something out to you in this particular passage. This is a choice. This is a choice. See to it that nobody takes you. It doesn't say watch over your neighbors so that they don't get taken captive. It doesn't say protect your spouse so that they don't get taken captive. It doesn't say guard your children so that they don't become captive. It says you, watch over you so that you don't become captive. I'm in charge of me in this area and you're in charge of you in this area. I need to make some choices. I need to put up some some guards in my life you need to put up some guards in your life we need to put up some hedges here and there we need to make sure that that we understand that there is a line has been drawn in the sand here choose christ rather than that philosophy that empty deception the tradition of men the elementary principles of the world there's a clear choice you don't need to be ignorant about the world but neither do you need to jump in and roll around in the muck with the world Watch out, and I think that sometimes what's happening is we think that we're so sophisticated, and that's why I think that phrase was pretty interesting that was used, that high sounding nonsense. We think that we need to make sure that we are on top of everything that's going on in the world, and when we're on top of all of those things, and all of those philosophies, and all of those things, all it does is irritate us, and we forget who we are, and we wander away from Jesus Christ. Now you need to decide what's going on in your life, because it says you need to guard you. So you need to take a good look at you. And you need to decide what do I need to do to make sure that I am guarding me. Because the choice you make in verses 6 and 7 verses verse 8 matters a ton. A ton. If you do nothing else but ponder those three verses and what that means in your life, I think that that would be a really Great use of your time. What am I going to do about this? How am I going to live? I encourage you to choose Christ. Choose Christ rather than the philosophy, the empty deception, the high sounding nonsense, the tradition of men, the elementary principles of this world. Choose Christ. He goes on in the next couple of verses. And these are verses that sound a lot like chapter 1. These are some great verses in here. I want you to notice that it says in Him, in verse 9, 10, and 11... For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in his body. And in him you've been made complete. And he's the head of rule and authority. Verse 11. And in him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body of flesh, the circumcised decision of Christ. And then it says with him. Verse 12. Having been buried with him in baptism, which you were also raised up through faith, the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him. So this is saying, you're different. You're in him. You're with him. You're different. You think differently and you act differently and you behave differently and you ponder things differently and you meditate upon different things and you focus on different things and different things are important to you than others. You're in him. You're with him. If we could just remember that, wouldn't that be a good thing every single day this next week? I'm with him. I'm in him. I'm not going to go down that road because I'm with him. I'm in him. That's an empty deception. That's a tradition of men. I'm with him. I'm in him. I'm really struggling right now, but I want to be with him. <laughs> I want to be in him. That's, there's an allure there, but I, I'm with him. I don't want him walking off without me. I don't want him going somewhere. without. I want to be with him. You are with Him. You are different. You are unique. You are special. You are with Him. You are in Him. These are amazing verses. Absolutely amazing verses. Let's just look at a couple of things real quick as we'll fly through this. Verse 9 reminds us that He is God. Verse 10 says that in Him you've been made complete. What do you have that is lacking for your spiritual life? For your walk with Jesus Christ? Nothing. What do you have that's lacking as you need to deal with the ins and outs of life? If you have Christ, <clears throat> nothing. You have him. And it says that this him that you have, he's the head over and rule over authority. He's the boss. And you're in him, you're with him. I want to be with him because he has resources. I want to be with him because he has authority. I want to be with him because he's over everything. I want to be with him. When you abandon that, you abandon those resources and you abandon that power of authority, you abandon a lot of things when you're not with him. It says this, you were circumcised in verse 11 with a circumcision made without hands and the removal of the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ. In him he's taken and made you new. All things are new, he says. That old, it's just that. It's old. It's old. You're new. You're in him. You have been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised up. You need to live your life understanding the truth. And the truth is, you, you have died and been buried and now are alive to walk in newness of life with Jesus Christ. That's why we do baptism. It's a picture of what has happened. You're dead, you're buried, you're alive. Look, this is a reminder of who you are and what has happened to you. It says in verse 13, when you were dead in your transgressions and in circumcision of your flesh, he made you alive. He made you alive. You were dead and now you're alive. Now I want you to understand this. Okay? So, dead will be over here. I am dead. I am not alive. I am dead. I am not with Christ. He made me alive. He took me. He rescued me. He took me, and he put me over here, and he said, Kent, you're now alive. You're with me. You're in me. This is a good place to be. Now, what kind of a dummy says, thanks, I think I'll spend some time over here? Everybody raise your hand. We tend to fall into that, don't we? But that's what we're doing, and I hope that you think about that picture this week. That's what we do. This is cool. Look at the magnificence of God. Look at all of this. I'll be back. Can we go over here for a little while? I want to waller in the mud a bit. I want to do those things that I was doing when I was dead. Watch out. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than Christ. Stay in him in him stay with him next couple of verses he says verses 14 and 15 are amazing at the end of verse 13 he says having forgiven all of our transgressions having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us remember when we talk about what is forgiveness in its simplest form it is canceled debt the debt you owed has been canceled you couldn't pay it anyway, having forgiven us of all of our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt against, uh, uh, consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and he has taken, us out of the, uh, taken it out of the way and nailed it to the cross. He said, those things that are against that person, they're on this cross with me, and I shed my blood for them, and they're now gone. That's who you are in him. That's why you should stay with him. Because this is who has happened to you and this is who you are. And then he says this in verse 15. Now this is great. Okay, I want you to notice. Verse 8, watch out that you don't become captive to those philosophies, that empty deception, tradition of men, elementary principles of the world rather than Christ. And then he says in verse 15, By the way, Jesus has disarmed the rulers and the authorities and he made a public display of them having triumphed over them through him. By the way, that great enemy, he doesn't have any power over you anymore. Okay, now, what I want to say next is this. He has no power over me anymore. So when I leave here in him and I go over there, nobody's dragging me. He's got no power. James says that we are drawn away by our own lust. We're enticed. Lord, take that away from me. Lord, fill me with you. And we'll get to that in a minute so that that's a non-issue. I want to be with you. I want to be in you. These are some amazing verses. <laughs> amazing verses. This is what's happened to us. Phenomenal. Verses 16 through 19, because of all of this, therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or respect to festival or new moon or Sabbath day, things which were a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one keep defrauding you of your prize by delighting in self abasement and the worship of angels, taking his stand on visions he has seen, inflated without cause by his fleshly mind and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body being supplied and held together by the joints and ligaments grows with the growth which is from God. If you have died with Christ to the elementary principles of the world, why, as if you were living in the world, do you submit yourself to decrees such as do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, which all refer to things destined to perish with use in accordance with the commandments and the teachings of men? These are matters which have to be sure the appearance of wisdom and self-made religion and self-abasement and serve and... and and severe treatment of the body but are of no value against fleshly indulgence. So what he's saying in these verses is simply this. We tend to want to say that I will be holy and I will be who I need to be and life will feel better and I'll feel good about life and God will be pleased with me if I never ever ever walk off this platform if I never ever ever touch those flowers if I never never ever cross that line if I stay in this little box then I will be who I need to be and all will be well and as soon as you're told to stay in that little box what do you start doing you start figuring how can I get out of this box how in the world can I get out of this box what, he, what Paul is telling us is there was a group of people, remember one of the reasons he wrote this was because there was those people that felt that only the spiritual things were good and all the physical things were bad. And so there was a philosophy that said, don't touch, don't handle, don't taste, as he said in here, stay away from. Here's the list of don'ts. Don't do those things and you'll have it made. The problem is, as soon as we get that list, we think, I wonder how I can do that. I wonder what happens if I go this way. I wonder if I, if I touch the flowers on this side, is it as bad as touching the flowers on that side? Okay, so you get that, because we've all struggled with that. I want you to notice the next part, though. It says this, verse 19, and this is an important verse. And not holding fast to the head whom the entire body being supplied and held together by the joints and ligaments grows with a growth which is from God. Here's the deal. And this is as simple as we can possibly reduce it to. I'm in Him. And if I want to stay in Him, and if I want to be in Him, I need to focus in on Him, concentrate on Him. I need to hug Him. I need to embrace Him. I need to make Him my all in all. And when I make God, when I make Jesus my all in all, you know what happens to that? It fades away. If I stand here and think, all right, in order for me to be a better Christian, to be a better believer, in order for me to be pleased, in order for God to love me a little bit more, in order for God to say, well done, Kent, I need to not. And as soon as I do that, I struggle with the not. But as soon as I say, I need to embrace Christ, the not becomes a non-issue. Okay? Think about it in your own life. When you are embracing Jesus Christ, when you are loving Jesus Christ, when you are all about Jesus Christ, is sin an issue for you? No, you're too consumed with Jesus Christ. But if we aren't consumed with Jesus, if we're not embracing Jesus, this is an issue we need to stop fooling ourselves and kidding ourselves and thinking that I somehow am achieving because I am fulfilling some sort of list of do's and don'ts. I'm not. The issue of life is embracing Jesus. And that's what chapter 2 has been about over and over again. He says that you need to watch out that you're not taken captive. Well, how do I do that? Well, you need to be firmly rooted and built up and established in your faith and like you when you were first saved and overflowing with gratitude. You need, to, you need to make sure that you're holding fast to the word. You need to be doing what you're doing. I want you to notice what he says at the end of this chapter. In verse 21, 22, 23, he says, he says, these are the things that we submit ourselves to, don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. And then he says, which all refer to things destined to perish with use. And so he's talking about temporal things, physical things, in accordance with the commandments and the teachings of men. Why are you doing that? He says in verse 23, these are matters which have, to be sure, the appearance of wisdom in self-made religion. In other words, if you do these things, you're going to think you're doing a lot of really cool things. You're not. You're spinning your wheels. Man-made religion. If you abide by the list of don'ts, you're going to think I got it made. You're not. You don't have it made. Man-made religion. If you treat yourself in self-abasement and severe treatment of the body... These things, he says, at the end of verse 23, are of no value against fleshly indulgence. Now, fortunately, the chapter numbers are not divinely given, right? So let's go to the next verse. Therefore, If you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. All right. so many of you know over the years, you laugh at me, some of you know this, and and, and every time I use this example I have to kind of explain myself because there's always people who haven't heard it, but So I use the example of eating balloons, right? You guys, many of you know about that. Eating balloons. I've said the Bible condemns eating balloons. You ought not to eat balloons. The Bible says eating balloons is a sin. Stay away from balloons. Don't do it. But we live in a society where balloon vendors are on every corner. People love eating balloons. They're sold constantly. So applying this passage, I used to eat balloons. I did. I I need to confess that to you. I I did. And then I got saved. And and then the Bible said don't eat balloons. And i got to admit to you that over the years... Well, I've I've eaten some balloons once in a while. But I don't want to. So tomorrow when I go into town, and I park my car at one end of the town, and I need to walk to the end of the town to run some errands, and there's a couple places in between, and there's a balloon vendor. So I think maybe I'll get a cup of coffee, and I'll sit down here, and I'll ponder those balloons. I'll think about it for a while. And chances are, what's going to happen? I'm going to buy a balloon. And if I buy a balloon, I'm eating a balloon. And then I've sinned. And I know that this is a weird little illustration, but it's incredibly safe because I'm not offending anybody. (laughs) And I eat my balloon. What I need to do tomorrow is when I see those balloons, I need to set my mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. I need to replace my thought process concerning the balloons with Jesus Christ and who He is and what He's done and the fact that I am in Him and living with Him. And I'm going to be living, I'm going to be, I'm going to be able to stay away from the balloons because of Jesus Christ. Not because I willed myself to do it, but because I ran to him. And I'm so filled with him that those have become a non-issue. Now, I may have to do this 223 times every day, but it can be done. That's what he is saying in this chapter. And it's interesting, and it's why it's so important that we can't, that's why we couldn't stop at the end of chapter 2. We've got to go on to chapter 3. And so I want to challenge you that because you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above and on the things on the earth because you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God and you are in Him, you are with Him. Folks, stay with Him this week. Stay with Him. Focus in on Him. Let Him be what you need in life. It's that old song. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, and the things of this earth grow strangely dim. It is a truth. It really is a truth. Firmly rooted. Love Jesus like you did then. Embrace Jesus like you did then. Run to Jesus. Watch out. Be aware of those philosophies. Be aware of the, that high-sounding nonsense. Be aware of the traditions of men. Be aware of those things that are wanting to get you and drag you over and then run to Christ, live in Him, be in Him, stay with Him. Amen. Embrace Him and walk for the glory of Jesus Christ. Father, thanks for our time together this morning in the Word of God. And I just pray that you would take this passage and this chapter and these words And that, Father, that you would just use them in our life. We all understand what it's like to have that battle. And there we are in the midst of it. There we are running back to be a part of that that we were when we were dead. And we know that when we do that, we've taken our eyes off of you. Father, replace replace our thinking, change our thinking. Make sure, Lord, that we're with you this week that we would take these words of Paul's to heart, that we would guard, guard carefully, that we'd stay away from empty, hollow deception, traditions of men, elementary principles, and that we would be in you. Father, I pray that we would never think that we can do it. We need to recognize that only you can do it in us. May we be found in you day in and day out, hour in and hour out, moment in and moment out. And at the end of the week, can we look back and say, wow, that, that matters. That's different. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. We pray in Jesus' name.